0: Happy Monday, everyone, coming here from beautiful golden British Columbia, just over the border from Alberta, pretty close to Jasper and Banff and lake louise canadian glacier national park as well having an awesome time so far on this trip today is day 10 with me and my wife uh, on our road trip if you're interested in following our journey follow me on instagram at nate b duncan but that's all i'll give you about our personal life we know you're here for basketball day it's been a while since we've talked now uh, because uh, we had been taylor on last week uh, how was your trip to uh, this is the first time i've talked to you even since we've both been on the road How is your trip to uh the wilds of montana and wyoming
1: Awesome. And I I mean, for me, Yellowstone was the standout. I had never been there before. And despite having been a lot of really cool places in North America, it really did stand out with the geothermal stuff and the animals and all that. So yeah, it was it was fantastic.
0: Gotta love the geothermal stuff. What was the best animal that you saw?
1: Well, I got to see a bear jump into a pond, catch a fish, and then eat the fish. That was pretty Oh, dope. where was that? That was in Yellowstone, in the northeast section of Yellowstone.
0: Was it like a specific place? You were just like driving along the road and you saw it? Or? Just
1: driving along the road. Stopped to see there was a group of bison, you know, somewhat nearby. And then and then the bear just, we were just tracking the bear, saw it jump in the water, catch the fish, and eat the fish. It was amazing. Of
0: all the national parks I've been to, I've never seen a bear. Uh, Probably good at least. To, Have you I- been? No, I've never been to Alaska. It's the one state I've never been to. Yeah,
1: I saw a bunch of bears there years ago.
0: Yeah, I've been to 49 of the 50 states. And I think after this trip, I will have been to every Canadian province except Yukon and Northwest Territories. But all right, I promise no more boring trip talk. Maybe we could do a little of that at the end if there's time. But we, uh, the innkeeper has told me that dinner is going to be ready in two hours, so got to finish this up and get it posted before then. Let's catch up uh, on some news first here. It's been a while, as mentioned, since we were able to find anything. Where would you like to begin?
1: Well, I think we can can start with some the news out of Washington, that Washington, D.C., that Ted Leonsis has decided to give Tommy Shepard the full-time job as general manager of the Washington Wizards. So the ghost GM has become the real GM, and I think that's important for a couple of different elements, one of which we've already seen some reporting on today, which is that this sets the table for offering Bradley Beal the three-year $112 million contract extension, which is the most that Washington can offer at this moment in time.
0: Yeah, that is just a normal veteran extension. Beal missing out on eligibility for the Supermax. I and mean, three-year $111 million, that's... Uh... It's pretty darn good money if you can get it now Beal was his contract was signed to the cap spike even though it was only 25 percent max it had 8 percent raises and so I mean that on a per year basis is certainly something he should very much be considering but the discussion has been well if he doesn't accept it we're not going to trade him I think I might look into trading him there now they could just be saying that as well he could very much just let them know that he doesn't want to be there through the trade deadline they are going to suck this year almost certainly uh but I mean I mean that's the type of extension here two years out now now certainly he could get the supermax next year that would be a five-year deal 250 million he could get be eligible even for a normal veteran extension that would be four years at well over 30 million dollars a year as well so it's not there is some thought maybe that beal would want to stay but this is i mean two years out to lock in that kind of money is pretty darn good and you know you could be eligible again for another veteran extension too if you in fact want to be i mean the type of player who wants to be there i think signs that extension uh but and his agent mark barlstein is an excellent agent beal you know has been one of the more durable players in the nba but uh, has those stress reactions in his past and certainly uh got played a ton of minutes last year we'll see whether they're going to put some more miles under his belt this year i'm guessing they probably won't because they're making some other changes here as well it seems like it's going to be far more of a collaborative process Process. under Tommy Shepard now how much of that collaboration will involve Leonces and all of these guys that they hired really going to him. Shepard is supposed to have the final say. We will see about that. Uh, you know, Leonces said in, in some comments, I mean, I do appreciate uh, how willing to talk he is uh, at times, but he's basically making it it look like, well, you know, it could be more collaborative with him involved because he said, hey, I don't, you know, do I get more involved or am I supposed to stay out of it? You know, and I think that's, that's a very difficult calculation for an owner because you know, you've been very involved in your previous businesses. Presumably that's how you got all your money. To begin with, but you don't really know basketball. But then you also hire someone like Ernie Grunfeld. And if you trust him, and supposedly the process under Grunfeld was not very collaborative, Grunfeld would just take all the information, make the decision, and Leontes really had no way of evaluating the process. That's something that Fred Katz was talking about today. So, you know, is, is it bad that Leontes is going to be more involved? Or if he's not going to be more involved, you know, it's uh, it's really interesting to think about that. And then uh, some of those hires, Sashi Brown, who football fans know him as the guy in charge in cleveland when they kind of brought hinky style tanking to the nfl although i I do think that that is a little bit too harsh on hinky to just paint it with that broad of a brush uh john thompson the third will be brought in to head what looks like a new department in athlete development they've got brett greenberg now promoted to assistant GM he was previously more involved and I'm sure he will continue to be but he was responsible for salary cap and analytics and they also brought in Daniel Medina from the Sixers as a a new trainer Medina was previously at FC Barcelona though you know we'll see being the trainer of the Sixers is not a a, and train I'm sure he has some better title than trainer I'm just using that as a catch-all is not a feather in the cap uh hey what do you think about the Beal thing now that I've rambled on here for so long uh do you think that that is if he doesn't accept this, they should look to trade him immediately.
1: I mean, I certainly think they should listen to, them. and you know, if, if for whatever reason those are weaker than expected, maybe you maybe you hold off. Yeah. But
0: I, I mean, and actually, I have another reason why they should do it too. It seems like the pendulum has swung so far in the other direction now of teams just being willing to give up first round picks. Yes exactly to compete. so and with the field being so wide open you know a number of teams could see Beal is like going to push him over the top so you know this might be the time to strike while the iron is hot as far as these type of trades with the market being set at such a crazy high level right
1: now yeah so I think it goes in both directions but the other thing that is generally true in late July and early August is that teams are largely settled you know in terms of some teams just don't have trade capacity because they've signed players and those players aren't movable until yeah. December 15th and January 15th 15th so that can be a limitation now but you're right about the intention and so if some of those teams move they will so i think you calibrate the market it might be better to to move them at at or near the deadline when all of those other players are available but i do agree with you that the iron is definitely hot right now in terms of draft pick valuation if 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 you are on the side that you and i are that teams are just undervaluing them or at least valuing them less than they were before which in some ways is more relevant than whether it's over or under so that that is an argument in favor of it and the big concern that I would have for Washington if he rejects this is I don't think they're going to be doing a lot this season that will sell Beal on coming back.
0: No, they won't.
1: So there, there are some parallels here to Kemba Walker's situation where I mean, and and this and that would be a clear indication by far than we ever got from Kemba. I mean, even go back to shortly before the off with the, the Kemba's quotes to Jared Weiss. You know, like this is not that situation. And so as a as an asset management kind of. Si- circumstance i think that they should more seriously consider it but again it, it does depend on the assets and it could even be a circumstance where they discuss something with the team it would have to be the framework because it wouldn't be binding and then say that's a good enough offer that we're willing to revisit it in february maybe let's say like early february late january and a consideration there the kind of the last the last point i want to make on this is that like, the lakers have seemed like an intuitive deal fit for a while but there's they're so asset poor right now i don't think they can really do it so it's gonna be interesting to see see who thinks that Beal pushes them over the top and I'm sure the yeah. Teams Houston that feel that was way.
0: another one they just traded for Russell Westbrook They they don't have a ton left in the coffers either
1: right yeah it's a great point and and Miami has been rumored before but Miami doesn't really have their yeah. their asset poor as well that, so that's
0: the one that's being talked about the most right now but and Miami has the hard cap issues too so that's one where maybe it does have to wait because they just don't have the salary to trade right now
1: right right so yeah we'll, we'll keep an eye on it and uh, it's another one of those circumstances where it'd be great if we could ever hear the offers but we're not going to so instead we can move on
0: one more thing here one of my predictions going into the season is scott brooks will not last the year remember he signed a five-year deal for seven million a year generally though those coaching contracts are a five-year deal when it's reported is actually a five minus one we haven't heard anything about them picking up Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, his fifth year option. Seven million a year is a lot for a rebuilding team. And then you throw in that they've had this regime change now. Brooks has made some improvements i think in washington in this regard but still never known as the most forward-thinking analytics friendly coach out there so uh, i would expect him to be gone this year and that's all i got to say on that this is really interesting from utah we don't need to talk about this too much but basically this is a way now for just about any team that's trying to use cap space to get themselves an extra 1.8 million in cap room basically two slots at the veterans minimum You'll recall that generally when you have fewer than 12 players on a roster, you don't just get to add up however much salary is on your roster and then the, the rest is cap room. You have to also account for the fact that you don't have 12 players on your roster and you have to have an empty roster charge at the rookie minimum, which is just under 900000 this season. Well, the Jazz, in the first instance I've heard of doing this, and I will freely admit I did not know this was possible and I know a lot of other people didn't either, by signing two guys to two-way contracts... Those count as guys on the roster. And so two-way contracts don't count on your books but because they count as guys on the roster then you don't have those empty roster charges so anytime you get to you know nine players ten players sign a couple of two-way guys hey you can even just throw them fifty thousand dollars guaranteed if you want and then wave them right afterwards and you can get an extra 1.8 million in cap room that's what the jazz the jazz were able to do so really smart management by them maybe other teams have done in the past and it just slipped by in some of the machinations but uh you know i I thought that was pretty cool um where do you want to go next
1: well i'll note that that was cool but i also think that they, the league should you know it'll probably wait until the next cba i think yeah. they should remedy that yeah take it's, advantage it's way, it's between now it's too and, big a loophole
0: yeah take advantage between now and 2021 while you can't uh
1: should we go to rich paulapalooza <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, I think we can.
1: So we talked on the last time you and I talked about Marcus Morris's situation where he spurned the Spurs to go to the Knicks on a less lucrative overall, but significantly more lucrative single-year contract. And that was opened up by the Reggie Bullock thing. And it, then there's been subsequent reporting. So Marcus Morris fired Rich Paul as his agent. However, yeah, well,
0: it's, it's been termed also as a mutual parting the ways. Yes, yeah, sure. And with, with the news that Rich Paul supposedly won, wanted him to honor that commitment to San Antonio. I mean, I think you, as an agent, you kind of have to. We saw, I think Dan Fagan did that with deandre jordan or deandre jordan was going to leave anyway we saw palinka do that with carlos buzer when he reneged on that agreement with the cavaliers to get let out of his contract uh and then signed a huge offer sheet with the jazz back in 2004 so i i i would guess it probably is a mutual parting of the ways if you really look at it
1: yeah and it makes sense from from both sides to to do it that way because you don't want the contamination of that sort yeah. of thing on the agent and then it can be the player's decision and the contract's already signed so i mean you can can go through it from there and so the reporting that's out there right now is that the like so basically Morris Rich Paul was not involved in him breaking the verbal agreement Morris was hoping to get a big deal with the Clippers but the Clippers didn't have the capacity once Kawhi Leonard became like basically once once he was on the table which he pretty much was the whole time they ended up going for Moharkless instead
0: yeah and to be clear there Morris supposedly was offered I think 40 million over three years basically the cap space that ended up going to to Mo harkless in that trade and he did not take that he wanted 40 million over two years uh and that's why he turned down the clippers and obviously ended up with a far worse deal and again uh supposedly morris made that decision not paul and i think that was uh mark berman who uh first reported that and then there was also a rumor this is we should probably walk back a little bit and defend rich paul because you know we're saying oh he screwed over the spurs and it's looking like actually no that was those morris and then also trey lyles who's now signed with the spurs is also a a paul client so i think paul tried to make them whole a little bit there uh there was also a rumor apparently that rich paul told morris uh, or did not tell morris about the clippers offer uh but because they paul didn't want morris going to the clippers because you know he has the tie-in with lebron james and lakers but that apparently uh was false so now they've parted ways sorry sorry to uh i just had that in my head really well so uh wanted to finish it up
1: well and and let's let's connect it with the the other rich paul thing that so trey lyle's another another clutch client signed in not for the entirety of what marcus morris would have was committed to previously getting but two years 11 million second year mostly non-guaranteed and i i i'm not as enthused about lyle's being there as morris i've or davis
0: or bertans for or, that or, matter or, they, well, they yeah, traded away i'm sure
1: yeah and and also though I, and, and another person who lost out in this i would argue based on the structure that i've seen of the contract is. Damari Carroll because Carroll's contract now becomes has a third lightly guaranteed season, and so that gives the Spurs a little bit more control and gives him a yeah. little bit less.
0: He, he gets at least more money guaranteed, though it, it seems like, um, yeah. And for while well, we were praising Rich Paul. I'm guessing that could uh, go back to bashing him here because I'm guessing that Trey Lyles, whatever extension he got offered by Denver, it probably included more than about seven million bucks guaranteed. So uh this <laughs> this is, this is it goes back to another one of my things where it's just the incentives for agents. Nobody ever basically takes in this new NBA takes a rookie extension for less than 11 million dollars a year and they really really should consider doing that to just get like solid bench guy money life-changing money for these guys who just you know frankly don't necessarily project to start sometimes they can get there and but it's just worse for an agent to have a guy who's underpaid than to have had a guy not take a deal that no one knows about in an extension and uh, uh, but you know lyle's probably could have gotten a lot more money in an extension i think a lot of these guys probably could have who knows what the wizards offered kelly uber in? but i'm guessing you know now uber can get back in the market he's making 50 million a year they probably didn't offer him 15 million a year in an extension but i mean there's a lot of these uh, that come up that way um all right let's uh let's do some quick hitters here
1: well we can do a quick hitter in san antonio they have hired a new assistant coach and it's a name that will be familiar tim duncan we're, we're gonna have to see what his role is on the spurs and i'm well, well well,
0: he's going to be like a full assistant it's not player development he's going to be like on the bench on the bench and
1: and so that leads to the questions about you know with all with a lot of talented players of what does he want to do in his post-playing career and i've wondered for a long time what the succession plan in san antonio is because we've seen a lot of talented assistants go elsewhere you know borrego and everything else and yeah, i'm not even saying even it's Udoka
0: this and messina those guys are both gone those are like the top two assistants in san antonio last year
1: right so i i don't know anything but this could be an indication of where that might be going if that's what tim duncan wants and i we have yeah. no idea i mean being a head coach and being an assistant are very different workloads and maybe that's not what he wants but it's it's gonna be exciting to see him on the bench that's for damn sure
0: costa kufos who looked like he might have been a decent backup center option for some things. i mean he's kind of been mired as just you know not really part of the plan in second round. i think he's Still a decent enough defensive big, but we just, you know, we haven't really seen him playing at a high level in so long. He is now no longer available as a free agent. He's going to go play in Europe for uh, Sesko Moscow. Two years, six million is what that was reported as. uh The Sun signed Cech Diallo to a two year deal. Terms were not disclosed, means it's probably a minimum. Guessing it might have some kind of non guarantee uh, on that second year. Diallo giving uh, the Suns a little more ammo at, at backup center, although they still, of course, uh, have Aaron Baines. He's a, a decent flyer. I think he can provide some decent minutes as kind of a speed backup center there. Um, in Philly, Ben Simmons did agree to that max extension. He will not have a player option, did get a 15% trade bonus, and he's got the stair-stepped increase in the percentages you'll recall that if you make certain generally accepted league honors like in this case third through first team All NBA, you can get up to 30 percent of the salary cap they negotiated it so that if he makes third team it's going to be like 27%, second team 28 percent and 30 percent if he makes first team something like that so uh pretty it looks like a little bit better deal for simmons than what joel and b got there
1: yeah especially because and this is not a surprise that it doesn't have some of the injury protections but we talked at length when that contract was reported about how those were unlikely to affect things and it looks like for right now like that's going to be the case in philadelphia can move to oklahoma city per Woj. it looks as of right now that chris paul and the thunder are going to start the season together and this gets into a a thing that i think is a a really a proper decision from presti depending on really where the line is and that's they don't want to basically use a lot of capital to dump chris paul's contract and there is and and if people see him as a negative value I, i do as well then the opportunity cost for the thunder other than maybe it becoming a worse contract or everything like you know it it, it doesn't really affect them that much it, other than you know potentially weakening their draft pick because Chris Paul's a capable player can make their make can make them better so you don't need to rush that step in the process now if somebody makes if overvalues Chris Paul and it gives you a good offer then by all means take it but I do like the idea of just not not rushing the salary dump because a lot of teams just try to get from A to B a little bit too quickly.
0: Yeah, we may see again more stuff open up for Paul when A some of these contracts that were signed this year become apparent as being really bad contracts and then maybe hey Chris Paul uh, with 2 years left on his deal looks a lot better than the crappy guys that we signed this offseason and so we would actually be willing to give up some draft compensation for Chris Paul to take have OKC take back some bad salary. OKC I think still is in the tax so they're gonna to have to find a way to get out of that perhaps that would uh, such a deal would allow them to do that oh,
1: I, I wonder yeah. if they have any drop picks that could be used to facilitate that
0: yeah well but yeah i mean they're they're they don't want to do that, right? Right. Now of they're course. Rebuilding, so it doesn't make sense. so no, I, I mean, I think you could just do a Paul trade. uh You know, me. There'll be ways. They are. They will not be in the tax here. I, I can guarantee you that. Um, but one thing that the the whole Paul situation made clear to me is just if you take the money and Chris Paul obviously was in a competitive situation at the time, so I'm not saying that. But if you get to the point where you're not worth your contract anymore, it seems like you're much more likely to get traded under those situations than if you are worth your contract. You know, I mean, you're just team. A team is that's trying to be competitive doesn't want you anymore and. you know you're a bad contract you can just kind of get dumped i mean look at look how often all these sour 16s have gotten moved around right and now chris paul can still play so he's not in that scenario but that is something to consider where if you're just you're signing this long deal and you know chris paul really wanted the that money from houston well okay now you you got your money but you do not have as much control over your future
1: well and and the the archetype of that is because it combines with the idea that no deal is ever untradeable forever is like the richard lewis gilbert arenas trade years ago like both of those deals were were huge money and functionally untradeable for a while but then eventually both those players ended up on different teams because they just wanted to change
0: in milwaukee it turns out that west matthews minimum deal is a one plus one well no shit there i mean that's a great value for the bucks already so why not just give them the one plus one and then cal corver is joining up with the bucks as well you recall he was bought out by phoenix after being traded there in the josh jackson salary dump as phoenix was trying to create cap space corver actually probably could have helped phoenix but the They needed his $3.4 million guarantee out of his $7 million to create the space for Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre's cap hold. So, Corver, as a free agent, reunites with Mike Budenholzer. You know, I don't know how much I love the Corver deal just because, you know, he gets into the playoffs and it's tough to play him. Now, if there's any system that Corver can be passable in defensively, it's the Bucs. And we did see the Bucs miss a, a lot of open jump shots at times in the playoffs. So, having that one guy that you can't leave at all is definitely helpful. Well, so now to finish up, a change of venue to Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan tonight after a thousand kilometers of driving. Unfortunately, at the hotel, an entire battalion of teenagers checked in about 30 minutes into the pod yesterday and all started looking at videos on their phone and the B&B could not handle that in terms of the internet. So now we are back to continue with the news and do our 2018 East off-season regrades and I'm kind of glad we waited a little bit because that awesome piece from The Athletic came out today with uh, Sam Amick, uh, Jovan Bua, and uh, with some support from Sham Sharania detailing how it was, in fact, that the Clippers acquired Kawhi Leonard. Some really interesting nuggets from that on The Athletic.
1: Yeah, it's a piece that's absolutely worth reading outside of those, just the way that that Jovan and Sam construct the timeline and the decision-making process. It's really done from the Clippers' perspective, but then there's a lot of Kawhi nuggets in there. And like they talk about how basically they got the Paul George trade settled, but not obviously agreed to, but finalized because you want to get Kawhi on board first. And then they just basically threw that decision to him, gave him about five minutes. And some of the notes that I thought were interesting from it, one, the piece starts out talking a lot about Lawrence. Frank and, and that front office having a lot of different battle plans and scenarios. And a Paul George one was, in quotes, nowhere in our journal. So that was, they just didn't expect him to be on the market. But they did reach out to the Rockets about Harden, the Wizards about Beale. And it sounded like both those current teams said they were not on the market. Happens all the time. But that is notable, I would say, in Beale's case, because when you look at the haul the Thunder got for Paul George, I don't think they're going to, the Wizards are going to get that for Beale ever, including in this kind of a deal. But I thought that was notable. There's a belief, I don't know where where it came from I didn't talk to the sourcing on it was not made public about Magic Johnson now not affiliated with the Lakers technically talking about the potential meeting with Uncle Dennis hurting the Lakers chances it'd be interesting because there are a couple different people that would benefit from that being out there where exactly that came from but then the thing that I thought was most notable in there was not about the Clippers at all and that was about the Oklahoma City Thunder and it was an an element of timing that I did not know and it was that around the time of the draft both Russell Westbrook and Paul George, in the phrasing that, that Bowen and, and Amick used, communicated their discontent to the Thunder and expressed interest in the franchise, potentially making significant changes. And remember, this is around the draft. So, And, and there was another piece, the point of it, that they talked about how the, Presti had been willing to discuss the prospect of trading Westbrook around draft time. So I'm not saying there was necessarily like something unfixable or rotten in the state of Denmark, but that changes these kind of conversations a little bit. And for me, that not getting out there is really beneficial for Presti. It worked out really well.
0: Well, yeah, and obviously the Thunder have been pushing the, oh, we just had no choice, and once Paul George wanted out, we didn't want to have someone with some discontent there. But to me, this also goes back to Sam Presti saying around the time of the draft an acknowledgement that their current level of spending might not be sustainable for them, and this was one way out of it. And I thought it was also very interesting that – There was some pushback on the idea that Kawhi went so hard after Paul George recruiting him. And then, oh, that's what made Paul George. He never would have left before Kawhi recruited him and you know there was some talking there but it seemed like that pushback maybe coming from Kawhi's side of yeah you know I might have had a conversation with him but I wasn't necessarily the driving force here uh the quote was for the record it should be stated that a source told Sharania that it is not accurate that Leonard recruited George to demand a trade and come to the Clippers so a lot of interesting stuff there and of course the way that you can sign up for The Athletic, if, of course, you are not doing so already, which you should, uh, number one, you're going to get all of Danny's work there, but number two, you're going to get great reporting like this, and the link to do so is theathletic.com Capspace. These are no slash Capspace, because we talk about it all the time here, on the program to get 40% off a yearly subscription, a mere two ninety nine dollars per month with that yearly subscription when you subscribe at theathletic.com Capspace, and Everyone I know who works The Athletic is a big believer that this format, a subscription format, allows them to do the best possible work without having to waste time and all the page views and clicks and just the stupid stuff that makes money for newspapers about, oh, you know, this guy is a bruised knee. He's going to sit out tonight's game. Now I have to do a post on this. The Athletic is all meaningful posts and no more so uh, than the article by Shams, Jovan, and Sam Amick. So really fantastic stuff with The Athletic. I highly encourage you guys to sign up. Great podcasts with The Athletic as well that are behind their paywall um so where do you want to go next here danny
1: well we might as well close out with the clippers one other brief note from the piece that the the clippers and this is, should not be surprising we originally targeting 2021 which happens to be the year that Giannis might become a free agent as as there and then it kind of things opened up a little bit earlier with how everything broke and also Kawhi really being on the open market pushed it but then the other part and this is something that you've been interested in for a while is the these lawsuits that have been going on and that led to uh some information coming out through deposition.
0: Yeah, more indication that James Dolan, who, of course, MSG now is involved with the forum in Englewood, where, of course, the Lakers used to play in the last century. It is now a concert venue. For those who don't recall, the allegation by MSG against the city of Englewood is that msg was induced to give up its lease on a parking lot nearby which then is slated to become this clippers new arena and of course they would never have done that if they had known that that was going to be for an arena that was going to be competing directly with the forum which now is a concert venue So Adam Silver apparently uh, is this according to mostly James Dolan's depositions, which were leaked to the New York Daily News, which, of course, uh, has a history with Dolan and Dolan has a history with it. Uh, Adam Silver tried and failed to pitch a compromise between Dolan and Steve Ballmer, tried to broker a meeting that didn't happen. Dolan apparently just funneled a million dollars to a religious conservative candidate for mayor, which uh, given the demographics of Englewood was unlikely to succeed. Uh, and apparently more money was spent on that candidate. At least this is according to the allegation of the current Englewood mayor, who is attempting to work with Ballmer to bring the new Clippers arena there. More money was spent on that candidate than in the history of elections in the city. <laughs> a guy who had no chance of winning, apparently. I think he got like 15% of the vote or something like that. Um, and... They're trying to come up with a compromise here that the forum could receive a fee for any concerts that were booked at the new Clippers arena. And apparently James Dolan, I'm guessing Balmer would be happy to compromise, right? Like he just wants to build the arena. He's made of money. I think this is a James Dolan digging his heels in the sand. And of course, the Lakers don't want the Clippers to get a new arena either and to be continue to be third in the pecking order for dates at Staples Center. Uh, any reaction to that at all or, sh- or should we move on? I-
1: I'm interested in how it plays out. It it doesn't kind of, the, the dynamics here are kind of what you would expect James Dolan being a stick in the mud and and and, and, and to a point, understandably so, you know, with the idea. Yeah,
0: if it- in fact those allegations are correct, I completely yes. understand where he's coming from because, it, it, I mean, that's the story they're trying to paint. We don't know if that's true. We would right. come out at trial probably, but if they, they were bamboozled by the city into giving up this lease and now a competing building is being built, I completely understand beef there
1: absolutely absolutely we can move on to one of the more interesting free agents that had been out there it it's, is now not and that is justin holiday los angeles native to tie it together he it's kind of sounded like he his market or his his salary expectations were outsized for the market just because there wasn't that much money left but what he ended up getting was a one-year deal for the room exceptions that's 4.8 million dollars from the indiana pacers can be a part of their rotation i think of holiday more as a shooting guard rather than a small forward remember that the Grizzlies gave up two unprotected second round picks for him during last season and then he obviously left as an unrestricted free agent and he is a talented guy but I still think of him as a rotation guy rather than a starter and and twos can be valuable and he'll be a part of the rotation for the Pacers especially in this time before Victor Oladipo returns. yeah
0: and Holiday has been pressed into service as a three but really too skinny to play there you'll recall that Memphis in a genius move under the last regime gave up two second round picks for holiday and of course uh was unable to retain him he shot very poorly as a grizzly in his initial time there it did not help with their playoff push there's some thought maybe that he could return to chicago but they have a lot of mouths to feed on the wing there and his brother uh, playing in indiana apparently is what swung it you know holiday i think I'm of two minds of whether he could really be a playoff level rotation player. I mean, he can't dribble at all. I mentioned, you know, if he's really a two, you'd like to have that guy be able to dribble. His shot is really waxed and waned. I mean, when he hits shots, he can be a valuable player. He's solid defensively given his physical limitations. Um, so, you know, I think he's a guy who could be a solid backup wing, but not for sure. If And, and we don't really know whether his shot is going to fall any given season or not. But there are certainly teams that, out there that could have used him and the Pacers can use more reinforcement. On the wing, let's turn to Houston, Shamshirania reporting that the Rockets are not comfortable going deep in the luxury attacks to acquire Andre Iguodala in a potential sign and trade. And the mechanism to do that, of course, would be acquiring Iguodala and signing and training, trading Iman Shepard, who might be the best free agent wing still out there at this point, with enough salary to send to Memphis. It would probably be that Keith Bogans, because it's got to be three years in a sign and trade, one year guaranteed, and then two years non-guaranteed. But he'd have to be 80% of Iguodala's salary, which is about $17 million, to acquire him with the Rockets uh, being in the tax or closer I, I forget exactly where they are they might be able to do it for a little bit less than that but nonetheless andrew granala obviously would really really help this team and this uh more indication that Tillman Fertitta will not be paying significant tax even if they nominally will be paying so it doesn't even look like the rockets are going to use their full mini mid-level this year they use some of it on house and you know i'm sure they'll leave some open for the buyout market. Uh, but they did make a couple of signings.
1: They did. So the Rockets signed Tyson Chandler. He will ostensibly replace Nene as a part of the frontcourt rotation. And Kenneth Freed also was gone. And Ben McElmore, partially guaranteed two-year deal. Of course, all, all of that guaranteed money will be in the first year. I wonder how much of it it is. I still don't believe in Ben McElmore, though I do think that Tony's system and just the, the shooting opportunities that can be created by somebody like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, in that case, can be beneficial for him. So like, it's kind of one of those if it's going to work it might be there but I still don't think it's going to work because I'm I'm not a believer in Ben McLemore and we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that these are kind of the low end marginal moves and as we've been working through the process of regrading it was interesting for me thinking about we're not that's not on this podcast but like the Rockets moves last year kind of going through these ones in that context as well as like can these guys play in the playoffs next year and that is a different standard than the 2019 playoffs but we'll have to it's important because the Rockets are going to be a very good team
0: in Golden State I don't know if we had mentioned this yet we were aghast that Glenn Robinson III was offered a two-year deal at the minimum which would have bumped his number against the apron up but it turns out that is only a one year minimum presumably because in fact that's all they could afford and looks like according to Eric Pincus now with Willie Collie sign making just less than 2.2 million Sean Livingston being waived and stretched Alfonso McKinney's non-guarantee the Warriors sit a little less than $400,000 below the apron. A little more spending room than I thought they might have, as it turned out, uh, when GR3 was uh, on uh, the 1-plus-1. Detroit claimed the waived Christian Wood in New Orleans. Wood showed some signs last year with the Pels late. He's always put up stats in terms of blocks, points, and rebounds. Has shown some shooting touch. Quite possible he might be the best reserve big on the Pistons right now. They've got Thon Maker in the mix there as well. But we'll see whether Wood finally, I mean, he's going to have every chance, you would think, to obtain a role there in dallas mark cuban fined fifty thousand dollars for leaking stuff from a competition committee meeting as it was going on he was confronted and during the meeting he admitted that he was the one leaking it because reports had already surfaced of what was going on the meeting before it was even over that was pretty funny uh what else we got here
1: after months of speculation including some of my own work at the athletic the J.R. smith saga is over with more of a whimper than many of us hoped as one of the last contracts that was grandfathered into the old county. Mechanisms for the CBA, so he could you could have traded him for a significantly more guaranteed contract. Instead, he was waived and stretched by the Cavs. That wave and stretch is also important because Cleveland was so close to the luxury tax line that they have to spread that out over two extra years. Now, not as big of a deal for Cleveland considering that extra you know slight loss in cap space probably isn't going to mean a ton for them, but it is still notable just because they were that close. And full credit to Dan Gilbert for being that close to the line for a team that's probably going to be this bad, but. It is, you know, we could say it's disappointing intellectually. One of the things I had posited was the idea that they could go over the tax, and then over the course of the season, whether it's moving on from Jordan Clarkson or Tristan Thompson, then get under and maybe acquire more assets to using Jarrett Smith than it would take to get under. They didn't do that. I understand why, even though it would have been fun. Luke Cornett, we've already report, we've already talked about that he signed with Chicago, but the deal per Shams Trania is a fully guaranteed 4.5 million over two years. That is a lot of money, for Luke Cornett, but you know not an egregious amount and speaking of about that same amount of money another one that that came out was i'm I'm going to use the french pronunciation because i'm me vincent poirier is getting you
0: mean vincent poirier
1: yeah i guess we go vincent <laughs> uh, he's getting two years hey i'm poirier.
0: going to french canada i gotta i gotta polish up here though yeah. my fluent french wife assures me that uh Creepy-wise, nothing like uh the classic french that, that she learned so uh, my, imagine imagine my that french, a french, french speaker canadian, being a snob i never would have thought well, that well my french be the canadian case.
1: father feels the same way but thinks that parisian french is just the inferior form so that's always true. <laughs> so get ready for that but uh, so Poirier is getting two years, 5.1 million, and that is fully guaranteed. So it's two years. It's not one of those partial guarantees. And then another nice move that Danny Ainge made, I'm, I can't say another about Poirier because I don't know him at all, but they were able to retain enough cap space after around the Kemba Walker technically signed in trade to sign Carson Edwards to a four year deal. Because And why that's important is because the minimum exception, while it does exist and teams can sign players for the minimum, if you're using the minimum exception rather than cap space or using a minimum component of the non-tax pyramid level you can't go a full four years so this is a nice piece by boston to get a player that they like and i thought he looked pretty good in summer league on a four-year contract so they get more team control there and i always like it when teams can have retain that like teensy bit of flexibility that makes a material difference for them
0: david nawaba is agreed to a two-year deal with the nets let me see if we've got a number on that yet.
1: I believe it's the minimum. That's what I saw.
0: Well, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you're, you're wondering uh, about guarantees.
0: And, and the second year, nine guarantee, according to Eric Pincus, uh, guarantee date of July 7th. And Nawaba providing some defense, some energy that they lost with the departure of Ronde Hollis Jefferson, but he doesn't quite have Hollis Jefferson's size and is similarly limited as a shooter, but you know they needed some more flyers there on the wing, especially uh, with KD out potentially for the year. And then in Atlanta, Jalen Adams was waived. This noteworthy because Adams really was the only true backup point guard on the roster, and so it really is going to be Evan Turner time now as the backup point guard. A lot of pressure on Trey Young, and I really, you know, they've got a little more scoring and creation now with. The signing of Jabari Parker, which is still a little bit of a head scratcher to me, but and Kevin Herder can run a little bit of pick and roll too, but they really don't have any other true point guard as of now.
1: Well, and and that's really significant. This is something I talk about when in terms of team construction. When you have an unconventional backup point guard, what happens if your starting point guard is unavailable? Could be a rest day, could be foul trouble, or whatever. Like Evan Turner doesn't fit in the same slot as a Trey Young replacement as somebody else, and so I assume they'll they'll end up with with another point guard on roster, but they don't as of right now.
0: Yeah, this is going to be an interesting team right now. I'm a little bit worried about their ability to build on last year, especially because they well outperformed their point differential to get to the high 20s in wins. All right, you want to do some uh, off-season regrades here? This, this is always a fascinating process. I love going back and doing this. This is actually one of my uh, favorite things that we do. To keep ourselves honest here, you know, what did we get right? What did we get wrong? And just also to try to paint a picture of what these teams' long-term plans are and how well they're working as we go back and look at
1: it. Yeah, I thought that, so I did this and then, and had recorded the uh, Tears podcast that I did with Matt Moore for Real Jam Radio right around the same time. And so it was kind of going in the past and the future at the same point. And I thought it was really helpful because you get to think about how everything fits together. So do you want to, I guess we'll go in alphabetical order with the Atlanta Hawks running through their most important moves. Last year, they, in the draft, they acquired Trey Young through that trade where they moved down and picked up a future first. They also drafted Kevin Herter and Omari Spellman. Then they made the Carmelo Anthony Dennis Schroeder trade, where they also picked up a protected first from Oklahoma City. And they the other notable move is that they hired Wade Pierce as their head coach.
0: Yeah, and my note at the time, I gave them a B. I think a lot of people were lower on what they did because they gave up Luca, but I was higher on Trey Young than basically everyone else. And I think that part of it, the Luca for Young, you know, Luca was number one on my board, Young was number two. Well, those were the two best rookies this year in that order. You know, I still think Luca is going to be better, but I'm not sure about that. And then they also got uh, the number 10 pick this year from Dallas maybe you know probably about where you would have expected that pick to fall when you made the trade uh now the Hawks ended up getting the number eight pick themselves I think they probably were hoping that that pick would be a little bit higher because you are wondering where the other big star level talent is coming from on this team in the long term now I mean you got to hope that it's young and Collins and you know Herter I don't think has star level of talent but he, he could be a nice piece uh we'll see about about reddish seems pretty unlikely given his college stats but you know he was uh he had that surgery so maybe he's going to turn out but so i don't really have a different evaluation of the young Doncic trade now than i did then uh you know i i give him a b uh we'll see how that turns out you know i mean if young falls off and Doncic. Uh, gets a lot better you know things uh, could change there um how does that trade the Schroeder Anthony trade look now to you in in retrospect
1: from Atlanta's perspective I think it looks even better Schroeder we both felt he was a negative value contract guess what he still is and they got out of it think and I think OKC treated him as a positive value and taking on Melo's money didn't really make much of a difference for the Hawks I think it's less likely now that that pick is going to convey as a first they'll probably end up getting seconds but you know it still still was a worthwhile wild deal for them and spellman was a, a pretty big mistake that's actually one of the demerits on mine because he's he's already gone you know they traded him for Damian jones and disappointed to me and Damian jones is no great shakes it's not like they moved him in a deal for a star or something like that yeah Her- that was
0: that was a clear dump
1: Yes, Herder is. I, I'm. I'm somewhat ambivalent on him relative to the other players that were taken around him. I like Herder. I like his shooting, but his defensive limitations playing alongside Trey Young are a genuine concern if this team is going to be really. really but so, good. so you don't
0: think that Herder was a good pick at 19? No,
1: I, I like. I like him as a pick, but I, I'm not like effusive about it. You know, the, I'm because because of the potential. Like, can he start next to Trey Young? Because Young has been good enough that you think of him as a a prism piece. That you you okay? Okay, how does this guy fit next? to get physics to Trey young but her even if let's say that doesn't work he's still a damn good offensive player and can and can shoot and can be worse worst case scenario and I don't i think he's better than this he could end up being like a really valuable kind of complementary backup and then slide in slide in when it's not in high leverage situations that type of stuff no i, li- I like him Herter.
0: yeah no i, I mean I, first of all if you take someone who, with a pulse at 19 you're probably doing pretty well especially a, a, a guy at his age and you know he looks like he's going to be a valuable player i do share your concerns about fit but again it 19 you know if you get someone who can play that's a winner and Pierce to me looks really good I was very impressed with some of the stuff he ran that uh, double drag high screen that gave teams tons of problems all last year. He really helped Trey Young develop. They they hired him to, you know, John Collins looks really good. Herter looked good. So they brought him in as a developmental coach, kind of a Kenny Atkinson type, uh, an early Brett Braun type. He was on Brett Braun's staff and that's looking good. So I would stick with the B uh, that I gave them initially here. Uh, we will not be doing that, uh, I would assume, for uh, the rest of these teams. Uh, anything else on them or should we move on?
1: Well, I'll note that I moved up from, because I was more skeptical on Trey Young than you were. So my grade moved. I went from a C Minus two a straight B and I, Lloyd Pierce did a nice job. Herter, Trey Young really all of those moves worked out better than anticipated. I'm still Luca over Trey, but it's a it's closer than it was for me before, and so that's why Migraine moved and yours did.
0: Yeah, uh, and it'll be very interesting a lot of it will just be eye of the beholder. You know, if Trey Young becomes an all-star and Luka Doncic becomes a superstar, should you not be grading with the B? I mean, I think, you know, we should probably actually talk about just like what our overall methodology is here too, for people who haven't listened to to, to this of like how we even come up with these grades, like what's the criteria?
1: Sure. So I, I think one of the most important parts for me is what did you, what did you produce in terms of talent assets, however it goes relative to the resources that you had at the beginning. So, Coming out, of a, coming out of an offseason with a couple of talented guys can look great if all you had was minimums and maybe a late first, but it looks a lot worse if you had the number one pick, the number 10 pick, and $45 million in cap space and so how you, how a team did relative to their resources is very important but also consistency of vision whether it whether they analyzed things properly whether they got pieces that fit with what they were with what they had and where they were going all of those are exceedingly important to me.
0: yeah based on what was available how much did this team improve its future based on where you would have thought it would be before the summer so you know the Hawks starting with the number three pick you didn't necessarily assume that Luca would even be there but then you find out that he was how do you how do you grade that as opposed to just normally what you would get with the number three pick and then you know getting Trey Young who's a good player in his own right uh so I mean to get a player as good as Trey Young when and get another pick when you start out with the number three pick you know that's probably a win and then they had some other successes uh, as well there and also remember too it's a normal distribution for me generally Uh, I mean you're not going to some teams will have good offseason some teams will have bad you know it's not gonna be perfectly distributed but a c is average right like this isn't business school grading where you know your average grade is a b plus here you know i know uh great inflation is rampant these days but you know a c is you didn't really get much better you didn't get much worse compared to what would have been expected and uh we'll uh there's one other grading nugget that, that we'll get to i'm, I'm gonna uh, impassionately bring up, again, the, a difference in philosophy that you and I have. But it is not yet time for that. It is time to discuss the Boston Celtics.
1: The Celtics had one of those quieter off-seasons. They had limited spending power after yeah. the summer. Well, they
0: were so loaded, they didn't want to mess up what could have been, you know, easily a, a championship win team, team. And, and championship quality.
1: Yeah, and they had, they had added Gordon Hayward the year before and everything else. So the, their most important moves were retaining Marcus Smart and Aaron Baines. They also drafted Robert Williams, Replace Shane Larkin with Brad Wanamaker, and then let Abdel Nader. They actually traded him to the Oklahoma City Thunder. At the time, I gave them a C minus. I thought they went kind of. They were reasonable contracts, but lucrative ones for both Baines and Smart, despite having leverage. For me, now the Smart contract looks a lot better a year later. I thought that he had a nice year and established himself as a as a, a more dynamic offensive player. And, th- and he's obviously great defensively. That's nothing new. And the Baines deal looks a little worse than I expected. Remember that he was basically traded as dead salary in that deal with the suns on draft night so i thought that was yeah. a pretty a pretty clear reminder that giving him that player option really did have a consequence for the celtics though you know what they created with that savings was a little bit more questionable i guess in fact yeah.
0: i mean baines did help them i think part oh, of the yeah, re- underrated reason why they struggled was his injury issues during the season
1: so those two those two elements dealt with drafting robert williams is is important i like robert williams more than the players taken immediately after him but a little yeah, bit he after was that, the number
0: 27 pick. 27
1: uh, yeah and the yeah. 28 through 30 was just rough like th- those just that didn't turn out too well but there were players in the early second like jalen brunson and mitchell robinson that have turned out well and mitchell robinson was the big taken next So it is fair to compare those two. I think I like Robinson better, but Williams still has potential. I I liked some of what I saw from him in Summer League. So where I ended up with this, so I gave it a C- before I actually moved it up to a C because I think Marcus March did better and because I don't think this offseason is why everything fell apart in Boston. That was a bunch of other factors. And it also, to me, wouldn't have been reasonable to make some bigger moves with the idea of fixing it because A, it was hard to identify what the problems were, and B, it's hard to figure out what those moves would have been like it's not like they were going to trade Kyrie. maybe they could have done something with terry rosier i guess that's the most prominent thing yeah that they could that's
0: why i moved them down from a c plus to a c because the the whole idea was oh we got a contender right now we were saying back then hey they should really move rosier while he's at the peak of his value and you know that it, they they never did that and end up losing him for nothing. Although you know, I mean, they could have signed Kemba Walker in cap space uh, had, had they wanted to. They didn't really you know, get Kemba Walker for Rozier. So so you actually moved them up though because you like you like the smart contract.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing you were more positive on that than I was originally.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think the smart. I started with the C plus smart. We didn't like as much, but that especially when you consider that he might play some point guard too in the inflation in the point guard market that we've seen. I think that he looks pretty good as and He, he had a, a better year to shot the ball better than he had before. The Brooklyn Nets, I want to go through all the stuff that they did here. So, remember they took on... Darrell Arthur and Kenneth Fareed picking up a 2019 protected first from Denver at about $20 million in cap space as a cost. That ended up being traded to the Clippers this year, uh, which was uh, Fiondu <laughs> Kabengale. Sorry, I still haven't mastered that one yet. I'll get it ready for the for the summer league prospects report. And then they picked up Philly's 2020 first instead for that. Ed Davis for the room exception. Great deal. Shaz Napier was redundant, but he was really important when Spencer did when he went down. Trevion Graham, same thing, redundant, but it provided them with some minutes. Rody Kuroks drafted, I think he's number 40. Awesome pick, started for them a lot of the year. Uh, also got Jared Dudley and picked up a Phoenix 2021 second rounder in exchange for Darrell Arthur. That was a, a fantastic trade uh, as well. And they got Joe Harris to come back at two years, 16 million. They also were able to trade away Jeremy Lin basically for nothing into Atlanta's cap space. We forgot to mention that in Atlanta, that that was an asinine deal for Atlanta that looked just as bad. That's part of why they got to they be initially. And then there was also this heist of trading Timofey Mozgov, who you remember they'd taken on the previous years, the price for getting D'Angelo Russell. Mozgov still has and he actually just got stretched by the magic he still had i think 17 million for this year oh hey did they do something with their cap space this year with that 17 million they trade him for dwight howard for the price of two seconds they're able to get howard to take a buyout of five million dollars less and also pay five million dollars in cash to charlotte and basically get that obligation completely off their books for only $2 million more last year, and then have to pay nothing this year. So to give up two seconds to basically save $16 million in gap space, well, that opens up their machinations for this summer with Kyrie and KD. And they did all these great things to get themselves competitive enough to actually make the playoffs and be an attractive destination for Kyrie and KD and DeAndre Jordan to begin with. So just an unbelievable job overall. Sorry, I, I, I rambled on there for a while, but it really was just outstanding. I'd given them an A. Originally, I'm increasing that to an A+.
1: I don't give A pluses, but it's a straight A. It's a fantastic off season that, and it's amazing that to, that we did that despite them. I mean, to to this point, and we'll have to see where it goes from here. And you don't uh, evaluate them on their first year, but Musa's has been a nothing as a first round pick. Like that was one of the big things that they had, and yeah, Musa I mean, was he was hurt.
0: number twenty nine, so yeah. you're not expecting big stuff in his- sure, he, sure, he had an okay year in the G League. He's pretty young. Yeah,
1: he was fine, he was fine and, and you want to give him time. But th- that's why it's amazing, you know, when you consider the resources they had, and I mean, turning. Lynn into space and then using that space to get the first from the, the Nuggets and then everything that cycled through from there also turning Arthur who was a, a nothing in that Nuggets trade into Jared Dudley who was a big positive for them this year is huge and Kuroks was an immensely successful second round pick and this is, this is a straight A and it would have been even if this 2019 offseason ha- had worked out less well for them but that made it an even clearer call and it's it's inc- the Dwight Howard part of this I think is, is truly incredible and and that comes in with yeah. actually the next team that we'll talk about as oh, well yeah. because I mean they basically the the price that they paid to get out of 2019 money when you consider where everything went after that is incredible.
0: Yeah, last thing on them, my only concern with their moves was that they were going to be too good this year and you didn't know where their star talent was going to come from. Well, the answer was free agency. <laughs> because in part they actually were good last year. So, Charlotte Hornets, the Dwight Howard trade was just as bad for them as it was good for the Nets. Another financially motivated move. One of the things I wrote initially was, hey, at least they already got their maximum $5.1 million in cash. I gave him a D initially. Um, they also had the hilarious Mozgov for Biombo trade, uh, but didn't really do much else uh, aside from that. Uh, they did draft Miles Bridges. Tony Parker gave them you know, adequate backup point guard play when healthy, but it uh, wasn't healthy that much. And then they had previously hired Mitch Cup check that's not part of this grade I think that was around the trade deadline the previous season but they did hire James Borrego you know I I would say there's very little evidence that he's an above average coach in both of his stops so far Orlando and now Charlotte and then of course they didn't trade Kemba Walker and ended up losing him for nothing as well so I started with a D and I lowered them to a D minus and the only reason it's not in the F range is because Miles Bridges looks okay Oh, it's, Although it's they a, could have it, still drafted Shea Gilgis Alexander right there too, and who looks a lot better.
1: that's a part of why it's an F for me. It's a, uh, the the biggest reason why it's an F is the Kemba Walker element of this. That they, yeah. you know, what they got out of that last year of Kemba Walker when at that juncture, you know, in June and July of 2018, we knew the Hornets weren't going to be competitive. They could make the playoffs, like, and I, you know, they could have made the playoffs last year, but getting the yeah, seven everyone uh, scene, uh,
0: Michael Jordan, the most insanely competitive player in nba history seems to have a little bit different definition of the word competitive as an owner than you and i do
1: yes that would be very true and so that's it that's the biggest component of the grade to me and it's not just because kemba walker left though that doesn't help but because things went well for walker and then it still wasn't nearly enough and then bridges over shea i'm not as big a believer in gildress alexander as some but i still like him a lot better than miles bridges and bridges not a scrub or anything like that but i just i I still have to see exactly what his role is on a successful team. Shea, that's clear to see partially because he got to play on one as a member of the Clippers, the Dwight Mozga Biambo thing. You know, I think it were, I think it looks best for the nets and worst for the magic, but it doesn't look that much better for the Hornets. And when you consider that they, they're the team that started it with Dwight Howard, who had the best contract and then ended up giving up so much to join the Washington wizards. Why couldn't he have just done that in Charlotte and then save them that money? And I don't know what Charlotte would have done with it, but Five. get that
0: point one million dollars in cash yeah. i mean they did get the two seconds but yeah i mean for for getting off of that much bad salary two seconds is just it, it's not worth like there's no way that mozgov could have been traded this offseason for only two seconds right right i mean you saw what the price ended up being for a lot of these guys uh you know alan crab even uh Iguodal, even guys who can play more than uh than mozgov could um uh, i think i think that's all we need on them unless you're you, you had any other major points to make
1: no that's it on them so we can go to the chicago bulls the Bulls had a couple of major decisions. They drafted Wendell Carter Jr. They also drafted Chandler Hutchison at 22. They retained Zach Levine by matching Sacramento's offer sheet. They yeah, also... Four
0: years, $78 million there.
1: Yep. They also signed Jabari Parker on that two-year contract where the second-year lucrative contract was a team option, which they ended up moving, and this will be a part of the grade, for Otto Porter Jr. And they had a bunch of other moves around the margin... Antonius Cleveland retaining Blakeney and Archie diacono both of whom are under contract for the 1920 season as well, which is interesting. And at the time, I gave Chicago a C plus because they I was more positive on what O'Carter Remember, he looked great in summer league last year, and we that summer league had occurred before we did yeah, the so offseason. Do you
0: feel, you feel that Carter was below expectations last year?
1: Well, he was hurt, so I, I think that he. W-
0: yeah. Well, well Ger- made- I mean, assume he just completes the year at about the level he was playing so far.
1: I think he was about. At, I think he was about at expectations, but maybe I raised my expectations after summer league, and so he—I don't think he maybe met that elevation. But he was—he was solid. I had no opposition to, to how he played, and especially because the two guys drafted right after him were Sexton and Knox, and I, I like Carter better than both those guys. But you know, yeah, if they I'm
0: not sure really. I mean, unless you're going to go down to Shea Gilgis Alexander, who would would have actually filled a, a need for the Bulls, um, you know, or Michael Porter Jr. or maybe Miles Bridges. I mean, those. You know, Carter, I think was a fine pick there, and. The yeah, absolutely. One. So I, so I you know, I think uh you know that I would give that pick a B, you know, or yeah, just that one. That's, move, that's I'm totally the fine biggest with that. Thing they did.
1: And yeah. I think I, I still don't like the Levine contract, but it looks better for me now than it did before. Yeah. And the Jabari Parker element didn't really work out, except that it, it helped open the door for the auto porter trade. I've said before that I think Porter is a better use of capital than what they could have spent on in tw- in summer of twenty nineteen. And remember, they did pretty well with their cap space, you know, getting that he's young and a few other things we'll talk about that when we grade their 2019 offseason so the the so the the Levine part looks a little bit better Hutchison yeah it was it was hurt by injuries but I wasn't super impressed with him yeah even he, when
0: he, he was didn't healthy. have a good summer league this year either so, yeah and uh, I'm not high and, on him
1: and some of the players taken after him do look better now Landry Shamit most importantly Shamit also would be a really useful piece yeah. on these bulls although so,
0: Shamit even I don't like he was considered a reach at 26
1: right right he was yeah. so it, again and it's always hard when you get down into that range, you know, like so, Aaron Holiday and Simons and, and Robert Williams. Like, I, I like those guys better than Chandler Hutchinson. But Hutchinson was hurt a lot of the year, and we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Though, I'm a little bit more dubious usually of older rookies and, and, and guys. And Hutchinson, it fits that bill. So, I actually kept the C plus. I could have moved it to a B minus, And if if Carter had stayed healthy, I honestly probably would have. But it, you know, it. it we're still we're still have a lot that's kind of TBD. So, I'm going to leave it at C plus.
0: Yeah, I started off with a B. And this is a theme that's going to come up a few times in this. Of there are some times where I was like, okay, I like the risk, even if I think there's a a significantly less than fifty percent chance that this is going to work out. Take a risk on it. And Jabari Parker was that two years, forty million, second year team option, and the opportunity cost there. You know, maybe they could have gotten into the cap space money dumping derby with Brooklyn for Denver dumping money to avoid the tax. You know, that ended up being the number twenty seven pick. You know, I think taking a chance on Parker, who still has a, a lot of talent. Now the problem was they thought he was going to play the three which was you know abandoned by the coaches immediately because he can't defend that position um they also retained fred hoiberg who clearly was on very thin ice going into the season and they ended up firing him but you know they had such significant injuries it's hard to say they learned anything about hoiberg when they fired him now jim boylan starting as an interim they probably got him on a cheaper contract by doing that then uh, if they had just fired hoiberg and brought boylan in to just start the season he would have demanded more money for that year Uh, i don't think there was anything sinister there though but just uh you know something something to point out um yeah hutchinson doesn't look good Levine I, I think looks you know he looks solid I, I think it's unclear to me whether he could really exist as a defensive player but you know he looks like he could be you know a second option type of guy getting to the basket he was very impressive so I did lower them from a B to a B minus because Parker just didn't work out and the idea of playing him with the three kind of doomed that but you know he was the salary fodder for the Porter trade the Cavaliers gave him a D initially Colin Sexton drafted number eight you know I'd say that looks like a C pick to me right now I mean he was awful through about the all-star break and then had some really encouraging moments shooting it well from three in particular so you know I'd say that's about you know a guy who showed flashes maybe he can evolve into a starter maybe he won't you know there's some big statistical warning signs there but it you know, showed some promise as well uh the other guys they added David Nwaba, Channing Fry, Sam Decker didn't really do anything and then they extended kevin love for four years and nearly 130 million dollars we did not like that trade it looks or or that contract it looks worse now after he spent most of the year injured presumably if there were value out there for him he would have been traded for that already we'll see you know if he gets hurt again you know maybe a team like portland could be interested and you know if they end up getting say a first rounder for him it makes sense part of the reason that we didn't like the love uh and, and forgive me if i'm mischaracterizing here but uh that we didn't like the love extension was because it would make them too good well on the good news he got hurt and played you know 25 games or whatever it was and they ended up being really terrible this year of course got the number five pick ultimately and and got Darius Garland so they didn't quite reap the the benefit at least in terms of their draft positioning we'll see what happens to to Garland um they got nothing at small four they essentially were trying to compete for the playoffs with this group and you know having zero small four zero defense on the roster ended up we thought their defense would be atrocious it was um they obviously were very financially limited uh and then two other things that, that i think deserve comment here too danny they retained tyloo who they then fired six games into the season and then they extended larry nance four years 46 million
1: yeah i really didn't like the nance extension he par- he parallels dwight powell as a player who just doesn't check enough boxes for me in the in the modern nba and i feel a little bit better about nance now than i did then but not much and why well i thought he was you know he was he was all right you know like, i i still don't know exactly what his what his role is i
0: mean part of the hope for him was maybe he'd stretch it out to three and the jumper could be a weapon or he'd show more defensively or he'd stay healthy and i don't think he did any of these things like you're you're and he looks to me markedly less athletic than he did in his lakers days he's already pretty old too so uh, like all of your hopes for like you know we didn't like it we didn't think he would evolve your hopes of how he could maybe evolve, you know a lot of those outs have been eliminated now so i i feel worse about that than ever personally I, i i don't know if i convinced you there but
1: Eh, a little bit. I, I, there are two other things that I want to discuss. One is they retained Rodney Hood. He signed his qualifying offer. That ended up netting them two second round picks from Portland in that trade. You know, th- I'm sure they would have hoped for yeah. more from the Rodney Hood era, now, but at least and they that got was that.
0: interesting too because he could veto the trade, and he thought, oh, he signed his qualifying offer. That means he's going to veto the trade. We'll never get anything for him in trade. But as it worked out, they did, were able to get some.
1: And then the other it. the other decision, which we have to discuss in the abstract because we don't know what was on the table, was that during the season, during. During the offseason, they ended up trading George Hill. Altman retained all of their veterans, so Tristan Thompson and Jordan Clarkson and a lot of those type of guys, and they ended up moving Corver to the Jazz and doing all those sorts of things. So I think I think it worked out reasonably for them, though I do believe that Clarkson and Thompson in particular, keeping them around basically nuked the chances that they could get something. I mean, maybe they would have still had the post-LeBron glow. Yeah.
0: I mean, those guys were all bad contracts at the time. Right, anyway,
1: so, but- so exactly. So it, it's, a, it's a very team demerit for me, just because if they could have done it, it would have been great. But I don't think those offers were necessarily there, so yeah, it's like you know, it's hard it's hard to prove a negative in this case. So didn't really want to do that. So I went from a D minus to a D, partially because I like Colin Sexton a little bit more than I did before. You know, I I don't know how much of what he did the last third of the year is repeatable, but that was still a much better Colin Sexton than the guy that I saw in high school or at Alabama. So I give them some credence there, and that's really about it because everything else was about what i expected so yeah
0: yeah and and if i didn't say i went from a d down to a d minus i think my initial evaluation of sexton might have been a little bit higher but the fact that they also throw the nance extension in there which we didn't know about at the time since that happened close to the start of the season and the the immediate firing of lou and love's extension you know it's looking unlikely that he can be traded for positive value on that we'll see though i'm not ruling that out uh but so i moved him down to a d minus the pistons don't need to spend a ton of time on them limited additions glenn robinson the third on a two minus one for eight million dollars didn't work out at all he was really bad uh they de- declined his team option bruce Brown in the second round looks like he can contribute at nba level defensively had an okay summer league getting to the basket and distributing uh so he looks like he could be a rotation player getting him in the second round is good Kyrie thomas we'll see what happens with him uh their other second rounder, zaza we didn't really like too much at least i didn't for as your primary backup center but he can kept the ship afloat enough Jose Calderon as a third point guard did not keep the ship uh, afloat um and then uh they also made a a couple of hires that uh deserve a little bit of a evaluation here
1: right and that's why I my grade moved a little bit so the Pistons didn't have much flexibility and the most important thing Detroit did in the offseason was hiring Dwayne Casey and I don't know how to apportion credit for the season that Blake Griffin had but I do think that Casey empowered Griffin more than I anticipated and was you know the the openness of this of the system helped Blake Griffin have a great year Blake Griffin obviously deserves the line share of that credit because he's the guy who played a lot better and had a really nice year but i thought that Casey really did help that and the front office stuff is certainly less inspiring
0: yeah they hired in May of 2018 Ed Stefanski as a consultant he is now in charge uh and they kind of with Dwayne Casey and Arne Tellum higher up in the organization Stefanski a very kind of old school organization they actually tried hiring Sachin Gupta who was Sam Hinkie's right-hand man in Philly a really creative guy uh but he's now actually in Minnesota with Gerson Rosas uh, so th- that didn't really work out I, I mean I think they did exceed expectations a little bit, but as I think we'll see elsewhere as well, it wasn't necessarily due to their offseason moves, except maybe you could say uh, hiring Dwayne Casey. And, you know, they won maybe five games more than they were supposed to. Uh, and we're on track for a little bit more than that until Blake Griffin went down at the very end, although, you know, for him to make it through the whole year until that uh, was unlikely. So I gave him a D initially. I moved him up to a C- minus just on the strength of Brown. Casey looking okay. Zaza for the minimum wasn't bad either. Um,
1: I-, I went from a C- minus to a C plus. Yeah, and, and, and
0: GR3 didn't work out. You know, we thought he might... That was another one where, all right, this is a decent risk. He, he's got some talent on the wing, and it didn't work. That's fine. So,
1: uh, the, so yeah. We get to yeah. a really a really interesting one here. The Indiana Pacers... Yeah, but
0: before we even start, sure. uh, this is the team that I most often, I think, I'm wrong about among, uh, of all teams, where it just... Whenever I think they do something good, it ends up bad. Whenever they do something I think is bad, it ends up good. It's, really, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's remarkable
1: okay so i should let you talk about them first then because that 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 seems like you're it seems like you have a take on this then
0: okay so i gave him a c minus i moved that up to a c plus but you know some of the things that i liked and didn't like i didn't like that they guaranteed boyan and Carlson. i thought they could have made maybe tried to make a splash in restricted free agency instead boyan has this unbelievable year so good that he gets this massive from the jazz that they didn't want to match and Carlson provided steady play uh once again uh they also extended my turner which i of course didn't like at the time but then he had this huge breakout year and it was you know up there in all defensive team consideration at center so that deal now looks like a total bargain thought evans would be good he was terrible and he's now banned from the league uh, for two years uh aaron holiday they're comfortable with him being the primary backup point guard this year so i think getting him at, at i think it was 23 is pretty good um doug mcdermott at three for 22 we thought it uh, was an overpay it looks that way still i think he went over for the entire playoffs and they also uh did moved on from lance stevenson whom they could have uh guaranteed for four million and they just let him go and i think that looked like a a good move too so holding on to boyan holding on to collison the turner extension those are the big reasons i'd move them up to a a c plus uh, from a c minus um but o'quinn didn't really do anything and uh, who they got for the room exception evans was a total bust and you might say hey maybe they should have tried to get someone other than evans on a longer term deal who could have contributed i guess they tried that with me Dermot, it didn't really work out but uh and they were on path to make some noise in the playoffs to, until the depot went down so uh yeah c started with the c minus last year I, i'm at a c plus now but flipping around on my opinion of a lot of the moves.
1: i would have gone lower on just the moves like so basically the moves that i analyzed as a c grade when we did this podcast before i would lower that to about a d i mean evans didn't work out i still like kylo quinn i'm continuing to be on that boat but he just didn't he didn't do much for them because they ended up using some bonus primarily is the backup five, and they didn't need O'Quinn as much as I thought they might. And Doug McDermott thought it was a bad contract, still think it's a bad contract. But the Turner the Turner extension looks great. Four years, $72 million, which kicks in for the upcoming season. That boosts it up for me. And so I actually I had it as a C. I kept it as a C, largely on the strength of, of Turner. And then something else, which I didn't factor too much into the grading, just marginally, is that Indiana keeping the powder dry, they were able to add talent through, through that cap space this year so like getting Malcolm Brogdon they overpaid for him but they did and they actually ended up having to give a pick in well for, for the ability to because Malcolm was a restricted free agent but you know so there, there was some some soundness behind the idea of seeing what they could do in 2019 and as you said McDermott and Collison I think those guys played up to their their contracts though Collison is now retired I mean I, th- I thought he was a useful, a useful part of their point guard rotation along with Corey Joseph and moving on from GR3 was the right decision moving on from Lance was the right decision. Al Jefferson, out of the league now. So, and, and while again this is one of those like I couldn't have seen at the time because we hadn't watched this film I would have loved Shamit now knowing what we know about him next to Oladipo that would have been pretty awesome I'm not going to dig him too hard for that especially because as you said Shamit was perceived to be a reach then and so you know it, it would have been I, I think he's a better a better basketball player than Aaron Holiday is but I'm not just because there's one guy who was drafted around that who would have been a better fit and it wasn't obvious at the time that's only a small f-
0: yeah and who knows we could see Holiday ends up better uh Miami Heat what is- you have them at.
1: <laughs> so Miami, for those who remember, had this really weird thing for a lot of laughs offseason where not only had they not signed any other team's free agents, but nobody had signed any of theirs. So that basically nothing had happened for them. And they ended up retaining Derek Jones Jr. and re-signing Wayne Ellington on a, a, a one-year deal, which I actually was skeptical of because I thought that, you know, it would have been good to, to lock him up. And I mean, because he, he ended up getting such a cheap price that if they could have gotten a second year, maybe that would have been would have been worth it. It ended up being that Ellington was marginalized and then shipped out as a part of that Tyler Johnson salary cap tax focused move. And Derek Jones Jr. had a nice year. So when we did this before, I gave them a B plus slash incomplete. I moved that down to a B minus just because they got less value out of Ellington, even though I thought his contract was totally fine. And they just had the the Heat had so little to work with. Remember, they also didn't have their first round pick because of the Dragic trade. So They didn't have much to do, and I thought they did a a fine job. So that's a B for me, B minus.
0: I started them at a a C plus. I mean, bring back Ellington. We thought that was a good move at the time. He ended up getting dumped basically as dead salary. Struggled with injuries in Miami. Bring back Derek Jones Jr. As you said, was good. Dwayne Wade coming back at the minimum. He got to have his farewell tour. That's great. But I mean, this was a team that was just you know was set up and was very expensive to chase the eighth seed, and they didn't get the eighth seed. So their goal was to be a lower rung playoff team. They didn't achieve that with the move that they made so i lowered that from a c plus to a, a d plus they also extended justice winslow three years 39 million we'll see that's up in the air right now it's about the cheapest that anyone will ever extend for these days as we well talked and, about and earlier it's worth the mentioning
1: the last year of that is non guaranteed
0: oh yeah i forgot about that okay yeah so yeah 26 million guaranteed that's not a ton um and, and i think they would certainly believe that that's a good value but i'm a little bit more skeptical there you know i'd say that's like a c extension right now um so you know that doesn't really affect my grade that much but mostly I'm lowering them because this was a low ceiling off season that was designed to make the playoffs and they didn't accomplish that goal so the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, I gave them a D plus. I'm sure people are going absolutely nuts at that. Uh, the thinking at the time was, you know, remember a C is you didn't really get much better. And so from a personnel standpoint, they added Ersan Ilyasova on a contract that we didn't like and he didn't have a great playoffs. And I, you know, I, I stand by that. I don't think that's a great contract. Would you agree with that? Yeah. That uh, Ilyasova wasn't a great contract at three years, 21 million uh, last year, non-guaranteed.
1: Yeah. What I wrote was that he's a good basketball player, but an okay fit and a Poor use of scarce resources and i pretty much stand yeah. by that
0: and you know they had some tax concerns this year that they had to make some moves to get off the money and his seven million not being there would have helped so you know i think that wasn't great i think they have the same season that they had last year you know with either paying him less i don't know where his other offers were in that 2018 market um and yes i realize i'm putting uh the cart before the horse here because there's some other big moves dante Divincenzo vincenzo didn't do anything this year you know looked a little bit better but what? was healthy but you know there's a real concern now he didn't even play in summer league this year with his injury issues so that's looking like a wasted pick I was kind of treating that as a wasted pick at the time number 17 and Brooke Lopez I really liked I thought he, he could be a good center option he obviously turned out to be much much better than that but a big reason why I was down on them was they still could have brought in Brooke Lopez not signed Ilyasova and I thought they could have just brought back Jabari Parker and yeah you know Parker had some locker room issues and you know it didn't work out for him in Chicago but my concern was you got to get a second star next to Giannis and yeah Parker might not work out but he still has more talent than anyone else that they could have brought in so if that was his prize to the Bulls if you've been willing to go a little into the tax in, you know, these critical two years before Giannis is going to be a free agent and you could have brought back Parker on a contract like that, if possible. You know, who knows whether you would have actually agreed to that or not as opposed to wanting to go to the Bulls if he could have just been done with Milwaukee. Um, so that was the thinking. But in the end, way underrated how good of an addition Lopez was and really underrated how good of an addition Mike Budenholzer was. So I would give them an A as a regrade. I mean, they won 60 games were the best team in basketball during the week.
1: Yep, I went from a C minus to a straight A and it worked out really well and Budenholzer helped make Lopez such a valuable signing because he you know the spacing that that added and the fit allowing Giannis to be more destructive because there was just more spacing I thought that that was huge and you know we, we knew that Budenholzer was going to be an upgrade off of off of Jason Kidd and it was more striking I think than than even I anticipated and getting the best coach on the market is extremely important and there, sure the upgrade would have been there and there would have been improvements if it had been somebody other than Budenholzer but as you said they were the best team in the regular season and helped maximize some of those other pieces so it worked out exceedingly well for the Bucks in the immediate and hopefully in the long term
0: well things didn't work out too well in the long term for our next team
1: oh no they didn't yeah the New York Knickerbockers so they drafted Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson they signed Mario Hazonia and Noah Vonley retained Luke Cornett and I gave them a B my my big oh and they also uh signed, and they hired David Fisdale and so my my praise for them was that when we record when we did this before their draft looked better. I did not like Kevin Knox as a as a prospect. I did I was intrigued by Mitchell Robinson. He was the lowest guy that I did a little bit of video on, not the full scout, and I liked what I saw from him, so I was intrigued and I thought he looked good in summer league last year. He ended up looking good in the season, so I gave them a B. But something that I noted was that they was what I, I saw. I'll, I'll just read the phrasing that I said. One big concern for me about their offseason is the lack of proactivity for 2019 and remember that also at that point they hadn't i, I i'm trying to remember when they stretched no i think that was in september so that had that would would not have happened yet I, yeah
0: it, it was right it was like september but i think it was even reported that that that's was what going they were gonna to happen it was right after september 1st they're going to stretch it yeah that was pretty dumb ultimately as it turned <laughs>
1: out exactly they threw money on onto their future years and they didn't end up needing that and so and that's really what happened so like I, mario hazonia they gave him a lot of money for one year and noah vonley he he had a, a light partial guarantee and then had it was a straight one year deal. So what that meant was, even if those guys outperformed, which Hazonia didn't, and I would say no did, there was no way for the Knicks to recoup any of that value because the way their contracts were structured. And then they ended up kind of doing something similar uh, with Trier, though it, that ended up working out because nobody wanted to take their money other than a bunch of power forwards. So I moved, so, so the, the way that I wanted to evaluate it now, because I mean, I don't think it's fair necessarily to throw a bunch of the like, oh, nobody wanted to go there in 2019, though it factors in because they were just so bad and just didn't add to the talent base. But so for me, there were three big moves. Drafting Kevin Knox, drafting Mitchell Robinson, and, and hiring David Fisdale. I like Fisdale. Not to me a home run hire, but maybe like a solid double. You know, I like him as a coach. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, what, what is the evidence that he's good at this point? I mean, he had a good 16-17 with Memphis, but I think since then it hasn't been great for him. Obviously, he got fired into, right into 17-18. And then, right. you know, this and, and, team And, was and last year's last
1: year. Knicks team was just so bad. So yeah, I, I, I still, you know, I, and players really they like him.
0: compete. He, like at the very start of the
1: year, they did, and and they also, I mean, with Porzingis being out and everything else, it was it was a tough one. And then Robinson, I still really like that pick. I believe he was thirty six, and then I still don't like Kevin Knox, so I ended up moving them from a B to a C minus. And stretching Noah ended up becoming, you know, un- unnecessary. They did, uh, unlike the Luol Dang stretch in, in LA, the Knicks did not have the benefit, need the benefit of creating an extra roster spot. They could have just cut Ron Baker way earlier than they did. So they could have been a little bit more flexible there. And then they threw all this money on future years when they didn't need to. So I, I-, I still like Robinson. There's a chance and Fizdale and Knox are, you know, they're, bo- they're fine. I-, I don't have much of it. And with Fisdale, I don't know. I, I don't have any clear cut like, oh, they definitely should have gotten this guy, like unless they could have gotten Boonholzer, that, you know, anybody on the market, I don't think Nick Nurse was really on their radar or anything like that. So C minus, and that might be a little bit charitable.
0: Yeah, I went from a B minus to a D. I gave them praise for keeping the powder dry for 2019. As it turned out, they would have been better soaking that powder in gasoline after uh, what ended up happening uh, this offseason because, you know, they kept the powder dry to sign a bunch of, I mean, there's still flexibility with some of those contracts, but like the 8 million power forwards and all that, it, it doesn't look too great. But hey, they're sold to the 2021 season. But then the other thing they did is they did not extend Chris Porzingis. They did not, again, in service of this 2019 plan, in part and ultimately in service of trading him which if they had extended him he would have been basically untradable uh due to base year compensation issues but they didn't extend him would they have been better off doing that i mean it's possible still that even if they didn't get anyone good in free agency this year you know because remember a big part of that porzingis trade was opening up space they did still get dennis smith they did still who looks like he's going to be marginalized right now they're talking about elford payton being given every chance to start. Um, and they still got those two first round picks. They did get off of Hardaway and Lee. They, You can argue they at least got better guys for this year than Hardaway and Lee would have been. Uh, but you could say, hey, you know what? They should have just given Porzingis the max extension. He ended up getting a, the no-brainer at least from Dallas's standpoint, Max. We'll see where that works out. And I mean, I I do think people are really underrating the injury risk for Porzingis here. But that was a a decision that needs to be discussed. You know, I'm still, in light of what ended up happening, I'm not sure whether, you know, that was kind of a C decision to me to not extend him. Um, Yeah, and and Fisdale was maybe going to be a draw to free agents or something, you know, whatever, to the extent that was hoped for. It did not work out. So it moved him down to a D. I mean, their moves wrought a 17 and 65 season, and maybe because they were so non-competitive, that's part of why nobody went there and you know they didn't end up getting the big free agents that they wanted, despite everyone thinking it was fate accompli that KD was going there all year. Should we move on to the magic?
1: Let's do it. So the Orlando Magic, their their three most impactful decisions were drafting Mobamba in the lottery, retaining Aaron Gordon, who was a restricted free agent, and hiring Steve Clifford to replace Frank Vogel as their head coach. And I would say two of those three worked out pretty well. Bamba, we're just going to have to see. He had a, a rough, rough rookie year, but it's a young big man. I, I'm not willing to to throw it all out at this point. Gordon had a had a pretty nice year, and his I, I still love that his contract is descending. I think that really does help, whether he is a member of the Magic long-term or used as a trade asset. I think that works. And then I also think that Steve Clifford played a significant role, along with a lot of other factors, in Orlando exceeding expectations for the 18-19 season
0: yeah this is another one where uh, obviously they hired Clifford and that really helped them I mean that's probably the big reason among these you know they retained Aaron Gordon but it was going to be around that number as a restricted free agent I think they got him on a good contract going forward but if you want to assign credit for what happened this year you know those they're kind of always going to have him on the team uh you know and they did surprise I, I give most of the credit for that for Clifford but blowing it on Bamba I mean that's just really tough now again you could say who are they supposed to get should they have gotten Wendell Carter Maybe, you know, Shea Gilgis just Alexander, that was a little early for him. You know, we weren't uh, like killing the bomba pick at the time, even though I felt like Carter had a higher median outcome. Bomba maybe had more upside. People were talking about him having defensive player of the year upside. I didn't see that, but he did have the physical tools there. Uh the other thing that I think they really made the playoffs in spite of was backup point guard was just a complete disaster. Now, what could they have done about that? Very little, because you forget how bad last year's point guard class was. There really were no Starters available and two of the backups, Shaz Napier and Alfred Payton, had just finished being unceremoniously dumped by the magic in previous years and weren't realistically coming back. So unclear necessarily what they could have done to shore that up. They made the the Grant trade. That was a flyer. It ter- turned out terribly. They ended up going with Michael Carter Williams, who uh ended up outproducing him in uh that recreation of the 2017 Bulls uh, backup point guard situation. Uh you know, they also could have maybe gone Michael Porter as well. We'll see whether Porter actually works out. The raves are coming. About him in Denver when I saw him work out towards the end of the regular season, I, I wasn't impressed by him, but he's had plenty of time to improve since then. Uh maybe Derek Rose is someone they could have gone after or a Seth Curry. I mean, they didn't use their mid level exception at all for really no discernible reason. Or, you know, they could have tried to get someone with that mid level on a longer term contract who could have been a part of their team going forward. So I, I moved them down from a B minus to a C plus very slightly because I don't think they actually helped their long term. That much i mean the blowing the bomba pick to me is more and you know he could still turn around but it's not great um you know i would give them for that you know a d d minus for that pick and you know that's really the most important thing they needed another player who's really going to give them some upside he's not providing that so yeah you made the playoffs but your long-term vision as a franchise and we talked about some of the other moves that they ended up making with Fuchs and ross bringing them back they just have no flexibility to improve going forward here
1: similar that's why i went from a c plus to a c but i do want to say that emphasize that the Clifford part of it I do really like from their perspective and I thought he did a nice job. It's just that that's that's a a smaller part of the overall picture because Bamba is you know that that was a huge resource especially now that the magic are more competitive how many more bites at that apple are they going to have and how many more chances are they going to have to eventually replace dj augustine a point guard even though augustine had a successful season
0: yeah and clifford you know he had the greatest effect in charlotte in year one we'll see whether that continues with orlando the sixers i gave him this a c-. this was a hard one for me yeah i gave him a c minus initially I remember they went in with the max cap space ended up not really being able to get anyone with that uh then i moved them down to a D plus in part because the, a lot of the guys that they brought in really didn't do anything and they weren't able to take care of the backup center situation and that just completely killed them in the end in that series against Toronto. And for, well, for reference here, Danny, what did they actually do? Because that was like four iterations of the team ago.
1: Yeah, it is worth going through. So the early jaw dropper for them was was after they drafted Mikhail Bridges, who remember his mom worked for the organization. They traded him they moved from 10 to 16 and, uh, and drafted Zaire smith and picked up that 2021 miami first for their trouble they took on wilson chandler's final year of his contract from the denver nuggets they didn't get anything in return they just took him on they also had they added mike muscala they might have got a second maybe that, they right? got maybe they got some sort of second yeah they they also they they acquired mike muscala and they i believe that was when they sent out tlc and justin anderson they drafted landry shamit they uh they and they acquired acquired some future seconds for the picks that became Isaac Bonga and Kyrie Thomas. They made both those trades and they drafted Shake Milton, who they signed to a two-way and is now on a full contract with them. They also retained J.J. Reddick and Amir Johnson and lost Ersan, Rashawn Holmes, the aforementioned TLC and Justin Anderson, and Marco Bellinelli, who remember Marco Bellinelli was on, on this team in the 2018 playoffs.
0: Yeah, Reddick for $12 million, you would have hoped that maybe they could have just got him for more years remember their plan again was at this time was to go into 2019 free agency and be players again ultimately they made the tobias harris trade they made the butler trade uh they were in fact players in 2019 free agency and part of that was that they were able to get off radical Although certainly or i'm not get off him he just signed with the pelicans certainly that would have been a tradable contract maybe they feared that it wouldn't be at that point in time for another year at 12 and you imagine that he probably would have been willing to sign that uh landry Shamit was a fantastic pick getting that 2021 miami pick helped them get tobias harris even if we felt that they overpaid a little bit there. Uh, Wilson Chandler didn't really help him at all uh, and was injured for uh, a lot of it. So they did get some assets for the Harris trade in this offseason. And, you know, we'll see whether that whether he really ends up being that great to, to have him. Um, but their depth issues were just never solved in this offseason. They weren't. And again, when you look at the resources that were available, I mean, just, you know, punting 12 million on Wilson Chandler. I mean, that's just really pretty rough. And the backup center situation, Muscala didn't work out at all either. And so again, it's based on the resources that they had available with you know well over max cap space. Um, so I'd move him from a C minus down to a D plus. If they had been able to just fill out the roster a little bit more with some quality players, that would have helped them at, in the playoffs. I would have felt much differently but you know to just create this depth problem especially at backup center that never was able to be solved and you know clearly the failure to address those needs in the offseason led directly to their playoff
1: exit right and that, even
0: even with all the crazy moves that they made
1: and so part of why i moved them down from a c plus to a c minus is that the two best things that elton brand did in my opinion last offseason are both don't involve their current team you know like they drafting landry shamit he's gone now and sure have Having a better player there was a sweetener in the Tobias Harris trade. I still don't like the Tobias Harris trade. And then JJ Redick, reasonable contract, but he's gone now. And they didn't, you know, they got the benefit of having him on the team for last year, but it's not like they were able to trade him for an asset or anything like that. I still don't know how I feel about the Bridges for Smith and Miami pick deal because Bridges played a fair amount, but Zaire Smith was just battled injuries and this allergy thing for a lot of the year. And then something else that was, I, I really enjoyed that I the way I write these is that I, the, the regrades is that I have all the old stuff because, you know, the things you remember when they're fresh. And it was one of the things that we had discussed was whether they could have gotten in the Kawhi Leonard derby and this is a matter of kind of opinion and reporting some of which we know like so there was that thing that Zach Lowe had talked about about a year ago now that the Spurs would not engage the, the Sixers unless either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid was in the deal now I you know like how, how you feel about yeah. what happened with Kawhi Leonard and, and that sort of thing but if it first of all if it could have involved just Fultz that obviously would, would look a ton better now but if it did involve those two guys then again Get, then it gets complicated because Kawhi Leonard is better than the players that they got and if he could have re-signed then that's a game changer that opens the door so I, I didn't include that in my grade but it was something I wanted to mention.
0: Alright so now we get to the Toronto Raptors and everyone knows what they did they won the NBA championship they got Kawhi Leonard they brought back Fred Van Fleet on a very good contract as well I turned out to be pretty important they got Danny Green. Danny this is my impassioned plea to you to add A pluses to your grading system if only for situations like this when you make a move that Wins you the NBA championship. If not now, why can't you do it? Why?
1: Because they don't exist. (laughs) No, but if there, if I were to give them, this would be an easy one. And I, I want to emphasize that while the banners fly forever is a good shorthand here, this was an A off season. Even if the Warriors are completely healthy and let's say that makes the difference, and Toronto loses the championship and Kawhi Leonard still leaves and everything else, then this is still an A off season. I would argue this is still an A plus off season because they hired Nick Well,
0: Kyrg- no, I don't think you would. Actually.
1: I would, but like I, <laughs>
0: you, I mean, you, you just said you don't give it. Well, no, yeah, I, I, it's it's, so.
1: it's still an A off season, and for those this, who give the, a plus the best they're, possible the best possible off-season. offseason that's
0: why i believe there should be an a plus because it, number one you can speak them into existence this is our show but number two uh you know you have to reserve it for the truly superlative effort in, in my opinion that, because there's just otherwise you just give out too many a's and there's no differentiation between what the raptors did and you know some team that did the absolute best they could but you know didn't make a championship winning move
1: that is a fair criticism i i choose to i acknowledge that but i won't, I won't i'm not changing The way I do it, you're feel free. I'm not gonna say you can't do it. I'm just saying that I won't. And a lot of this stuff working out so well is is really important. Kawhi and Danny Green, you know, Green had his foibles during the playoffs, but was still an important part of their overall success. I thought Nick Nurse did a wonderful job, not only managing Leonard, but experimenting throughout the season. Some of that really bore fruit in the playoffs, including in the NBA finals. And what they gave up for, yeah, Kawhi Leonard is gone now. He he and Danny Green will will have likely played their last game as a raptor both now and forever but even with that even without the championship it helped clarify their books they got a lot better it was a worthy gamble you talked about that earlier on and it i mean it's it's fantastic and i applaud masai ujiri for having the having the guts to do it and i'm happy it worked out but even if it hadn't worked out as well as it did it still would have been excellent
0: let's turn to the wizards now another gave one of those weird
1: off seasons like i kind kind of forgotten yeah. some of the contours of this
0: yeah i gave him a b initially but that was just based on not really having any resources I remember they were starting the year in the tax they still had Otto porter john wall was still healthy um they got troy brown at number 15 which you know seemed like kind of an average pick at that point um you know he didn't do much his first year some would say he should have played more there are people who really like him I I haven't seen quite enough yet I mean getting Jeff Green for the minimum he actually really contributed pretty well for them Thomas Bryant on a waiver claim I mean yeah I don't like the contract that he got this offseason but you know still to get a contributor on a waiver claim like that is pretty good uh Austin Rivers for Marching Gortat at least Austin Rivers is still in the league so they probably won that exchange the Dwight Howard thing was terrible uh you know basically saving the Nets five million dollars so that they could give him a player option on the second year for five million dollars instead of just signing him at the minimum and letting the nets pay him that five million uh that was pretty rough maybe there was competition for him i'm not sure who that was um i did give them some credit for being willing to pay the tax although you know they ended up getting out of it uh, of course um you know they didn't really have the resources to retain mike scott who was good for them uh he ended up in la and then uh, on the sixers and then the other thing they didn't do uh they didn't extend kelly Oubre, who in they then ended up trading along with rivers for trevor Ariza, who is no longer on the team and they have nothing to show for that so uh you know i'd be interested to know what the numbers were on Oubre and those extension talks how much they valued him? he ended up getting 30 million guaranteed from phoenix but o- only over two years um so i moved him down to a d just because you know again this is a team that was really trying to make the playoffs they didn't the howard thing was uh, kind of ridiculous um and now they're they're sort of in tank mode so I, I mean again for a team that was trying to make the playoffs they didn't they weren't Necessarily, even going to when John Wall was healthy-ish, so I moved him from a B down to a D. But you know they're kind of shuffling some deck chairs around here. Ultimately, you know their their demise as a franchise wasn't sown in this offseason.
1: Yeah, I ended up actually moving them up slightly from a C minus to a C. The reason why is that Thomas Bryant was just better than I anticipated, so that waiver claim looks better. I also liked that they gave Sadoransky the keys. He ended up having the keys a lot more than we anticipated because of John Wall's injury and then injury. And the the other weird element of this for the Wizards is that I still don't think I have enough information on Troy Brown. So, you know, they drafted Troy Brown 15th 15th overall. So right before Zaire Smith and DiVincenzo and Walker and Herter, my instinct is that some of those guys end up better than him, but I'm not willing to, with the information that we have at our disposal right now, I'm not willing to make that decision definitively. I probably will in in like two years, but not really yet. And what's, with the Gortat-Rivers thing, they got the superior player and, I mean, Gortat's out of the league and Austin Rivers could have been a contributor, but they got very little from austin rivers other than him being salary filler in the Yeah, he had a
0: pretty rough time in in washington while he was there he did
1: he did and so and and dwight it's not like he he really moved it but i guess you could say that moving gortat also allowed thomas bryant to play so yeah i mean and and jeff green did work out well for the for the minimum so he's gone now and you know like what how much whether the the needle he moved was useful is is a question that we don't need to get into but yeah that's fine it's uninspiring
0: all right well far more inspiring is the athletic the athletic.com slash cap space 40% off a yearly subscription a mere two ninety nine per month when you sign up for that yearly subscription once again the athletic.com slash cap space just fantastic subscription sports coverage uh, of all the american sports but particularly basketball just some great pieces out there even now you know we're almost three weeks after free agency kind of came to a head and so they're still pumping out fantastic pieces. giant krasinski had a great piece today uh Exclusive interview with Carl Towns. We talked about that Clippers piece from uh, Jovan Buha and Sam Amick and Shams earlier on. And you can read Danny's stuff there as well. Theathletic.com slash Capspace. Let him know at that slash Capspace URL that you came from us. Talk to you all next time. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a 3 point at the buzzer to tie the game, or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.